Hello and welcome to Double Take, the podcast from Newton Investment Management that mines the investment implications of big technological and societal shifts, refines them, and delivers them to your ears. I'm Rafe Lewis, head of Newton's specialist research teams, and with me, as always, is Newton inveterate investigative researcher Jack Encarnacio. Hey, before we dive in, if you could just take one moment, if you like what you're hearing, leave a review. Say something nice. Tell some folks about us. That'd be great. Subscribe to Double Take on whatever platform you're listening right now. As a matter of fact, subscribe on all the platforms. That would be even better. So uh, you'll have to forgive me, Jack. I mean, uh, I'm feeling a little bit uh, vulnerable as we're going into this whole AI topic. We've been doing it on many episodes now because it's just infecting everything across the markets as far as we can tell. And, you know, being a human being... I am feeling a little <laughs> vulnerable. Infecting or affecting. I yeah. guess <laughs> it's all the above. This is starting to really get painful here uh, that, you know, we all may be out of the job in a little while. But while it's happening, let's try to do it. So, uh, Jack, why don't you give us a sense of what's going on with AI in this episode? Yeah, so we're rapidly entering an era where hearing is no longer believing as tracks created with AI that have been trained on voice samples from the likes of Drake and other musical superstars have created a bit of a sensation online. And while exciting, this development also raises some pretty fundamental questions for folks involved in music royalties and intellectual property and the companies built around managing and controlling those assets. Yeah, and at the same time, AI unlocks seemingly endless creative possibilities for music and content creation writ large. So how to navigate this coming sonic boom? For that, we turn to Sky Rossi, who's the Senior Vice President of Business Affairs for Rhyme Sayers Entertainment, which is a leading independent record label and artist management company that's guided the careers of indie hip-hop standouts like Atmosphere, MF Doom, and Aesop Rock. So Sky's been thinking a lot about the implications of AI on his industry, and he joins us now to share what he sees. Sky, thanks for joining us on Double Take. Thanks for having me, and I'm going to definitely just uh, have AI uh, transcribe your intro for me so I can put that on my LinkedIn. It's perfect. There we go. Look at that. This is off to a great start. Uh, so, Sky, how do you think production companies, labels, and streaming platforms should view this progression of AI that we've been talking about? Is it equal parts threat and opportunity or one more than the other in your view? I think there's plenty of people that will give you the threat side of it, right, the threat analysis. Um I've been in the music industry for long enough to have gone through the Napster days. And, you know, music is the industry that generally gets disrupted first by technology, right? Um, back in the day, that was because video was so high bandwidth, the music wasn't, and also just the sort of transportability of it and what people want to do with music. So I, I, I like leaning in to these new technologies. And so I think our viewpoint is looking at it as more of a tool. So there's a couple of different ways you can approach that, right? So we could look at our intellectual property. So an individual song, the lyrics, the visual, the underlying composition, and the artist's voice. And there's all these, these elements that go into it. And I think we can look at AI as a tool versus like a, a huge threat, at least at this point. The other thing that that I think a lot of production companies should consider, labels should consider, and especially those that don't have like number one hits, where I think the folks that do have number one hits right now, I think legitimately could be concerned, which is why you saw like uh, a bunch of major 
label artists react a certain way when there's these homages or sort of remixes happening, right? Um, for us, we don't have, you know, top 10 uh, billboard hits. Yet. We have just yet, right? Exactly. We, we work with our artists that have, I'd, I'd say, a much longer tail career. We're not like kind of up up with a bullet and then down the next week, right? So for us, I think it's actually really interesting and one option I think for artists would be AI as additional bandmate, AI as a songwriter, AI as a writer's block tool, or using this as a way to sort of free yourself. If you're a band that's been producing the same kind of music for many years, right, where you're performing the same songs, et cetera, you could do something completely unexpected. A country artist could try you know, a completely different genre and vice versa. And I think there's a lot of like excitement uh, for the right companies and the right artists that are kind of like interested in leaning into this technology to take a really interesting tact here. But let me, let me ask you something though, Sky, because you know, when you look at auto manufacturing facilities, when you look at, you know, warehouses and stuff like that, the humans in those were always nervous when automation and technology was coming in. And, you know, they were rightfully worried that it was going to usurp their positions and they'd be out of the job. And uh, sure enough, that has happened in a lot of places. Like, why wouldn't someone like you look at AI and say, you know, these pesky artists who, you know, they don't want any brown M&Ms in the bowl in the green room. And, you know, they're taking days and days to record a track that we thought would take an hour and it's just costing us an arm and a leg in the studio I mean, isn't it a little appealing to you to say, hey, is there a way that I can just create an AI hit maker and just go with that? I think that's definitely an option that some folks will go for. So our business model is a little different. We're a 50-50 net profit split. So we're actually partnered with our artists. So our incentives are built around sort of enriching our artists, right, and our sort of core business to be sustainable. So we have just a slightly different um uh, product approach there. I think that you're going to definitely see huge brands creating um, virtual influencers that don't come with a lot of the, you know, maybe problems where somebody agrees with their politics or they don't, et cetera, right? So I think you're, there are going to be many, many, many companies that are so tempted to do that. Um, the thing that that is a bit of a challenge there is you could start from scratch. You can do these things, but a lot of business is momentum. So it's going to be much easier for an existing established artist to do something with AI as a bandmate and improve or sort of extend or release much more music because they already have that momentum. Music really sits in that attention economy, right? And I think we're seeing the same thing with the big streaming video platforms where, you know, there's one really dominant one for a long time and then three, four others enter the space. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I've got six subscriptions. I'm going <laughs> to you know, cancel these. I can't watch all this stuff. I can't listen to all this stuff. So there's de- there will definitely be a temptation. I think we're, we're more motivated to um, bring these tools like to our artists or if other folks want to utilize our artists' intellectual property, that we create a fair way for participation. And I think that's a much more interesting model too. So you saw there's an artist um, that came out recently and she said, Hey, you can use, you can use my voice. You can use my likeness. You can do all these things for a fee. 
So give me, you know, making it up 50% of the royalties or whatever you do with it. And I'm fine with you doing whatever I want. So I think there's a big problem for us to solve here, um, which is how do derivative royalties work if you use a composition that one of our artists created or an even bigger sort of challenge, I think. And this is where I think we're in a good position working with the artists that we work with because there's going to be a big fight over use of voice. So it's one thing to copy lyrics. It's one thing to do your own performance. We've never been confronted with a technology that can actually just completely and almost perfectly, or at least indistinguishably, recreate an artist's voice. So do you have copyright over your voice? That's, I think, a question sort of to be um, when you didn't speak it and something else spoke it. Um, I think there's going to be a big battle on that. So, Well, I can imagine a scenario, Sky, where words are put into your mouth as an artist that you never would say, you know, objectionable things, controversial things, let alone the idea that, you know, these tracks are being generated now without artists' permission. So this idea that some artists can say, give me 50%. It's like, well, that's all well and good, but as it stands, I could just create the track now without your permission. That's exactly it. And 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 I think that's where it's going to be in a similar way to how like the recording industry of America, you know, in, in America took legal action against streamers or uh, people that didn't want to comply with their, um, you know, royalty demands and stuff. I think a lot of this is going to get settled in the courts with, to your point, I could have a, you know, one of our artists atmosphere or something and somebody could basically use his voice to say some really horrible, despicable things that he would never normally say. Right. And I think there's likely going to be a hard line there with, with the voice use. And you, I believe that we will eventually be granted some sort of like control over that, but then the enforcement of that is a whole nother thing, right? It's just very difficult. Yeah, that's where my mind goes, Sky, because I keep thinking to myself, what an unbelievable game of legal whack-a-mole the, uh, you know, the labels like you guys are going to have to deal with. Because for every five people who did some deep fake just for the heck of it, and all of a sudden it goes viral on YouTube, you start chasing them, and then 10 other people do the same thing. And it, it just feels like, you know, your legal departments are going to you know, be working triple overtime here and you can never stamp out the problem. Well, you, you said something interesting before too, right? About like, let's say auto workers, for example, with new technology. If, if you look at it, there were definitely a lot of um, jobs lost. There also is probably a safer working environment, you know, other unexpected positives, right? So I think in that same way, if I'm looking at this with my um, problem solving you know, kind of had on, I'd say, well, I'll just develop an AI that can just go listen to every single <laughs> song that's released. And sort of like what YouTube has um, with uh, kind of an audio fingerprinting technology, I'll just get, you know, our artist voices fingerprinted by some technology, and then they can go kind of seek and find these, um, you know, unlicensed uses. And then if we can have some sort of an agreement with the DSPs, the, you know, streaming platforms and stuff. I, I think there's, you know, there's, it, it's, it's never inherently good or bad, any of this technology, right? So I think in the same way it can create a, a ton of problems, I think some very smart individual will create a, you know, low to no cost technology for us to take advantage of um, in the same way to sort of solve that problem. 
I think what you're saying, Sky, is on the threat side of the ledger, the threat isn't the mere creation of a track with one of your artist's voices. It's monetizing that track. And who allows someone to monetize that? And giving them incentive to block those tracks from public consumption. Or at the very least, sort of forcing their hand to create a revenue stream for the artist himself. Uh, I'd imagine the streamers are thinking about this because AI music must be a very tempting proposition for them. One would actually think maybe at, at first glance it's it's very appealing because they don't have to deal with all of the um, the royalty headaches. But perhaps, of course, they do, right? Because if the song is a hit and it sounds a lot like an existing artist, it sounds like you believe the technology exists and the leverage exists to get that artist paid even if they didn't create the track. I think if there's an exact use of the voice right because there's always that sort of right right um right you can't own pop music and there's certain chord changes that are just sort of maybe let's call it universal to the heart right um that tap into that deeper emotional state which is why everyone loves music um but yes i think what we it doesn't exist today but i think if i'm a proactive um owner of a large music catalog there are now venture capital firms or, you know, uh, family firms that own significant artist catalogs. I think they're going to be very incentivized along with us, along with the DSPs to sort of create a pathway to controlling the use, just like they do with the artist name right now. So somebody could um, or was able to a couple of years ago just upload a song that included my artist's as a featured artist without my say so. And they kind of corrected that after a big kind of brouhaha about it. So the, the kind of comparison I would make here is like, there are these large language models and a lot of the stuff that people are like, Oh, this is AI. It's just really like machine learning on a ton of good information. So those sources might be Reddit or Quora or Facebook or Twitter. Right? So Sony, I think, is doing something really novel that we would um, uh, maybe take a similar approach where they say, hey, if you're going to any of these AI music tools learn from our catalog, well, then that's going to cost you 5, 10, 20 percent of your uh, composition, just like you would if like there's a contributing songwriter or a guitarist or a you know, featured vocalist and stuff like that. And that seems like a really straightforward, good way to approach this. And I, so I just look at like our existing catalog as a large language model comparison, right, to these sort of chat GPT text only things. So, Sky, you know, as you're saying all this, I'm thinking about kind of what the existing lay of the land is for, you know, when you look at these, the streaming platforms, let's say that they allow an artist on the streaming platform today, you know, non-AI, who is basically a complete ripoff of uh, an established artist. Do they have liability for that? And so what I wonder is taking that to the next step where it's super easy to make ripoffs, you know, can can you make the platform somehow responsible so that ultimately it's just tough for listeners to to get a hold of this and therefore you can't monetize it. That's it, there's something in there, right? So I think the clear protections that musical artists have today is name and likeness. And the question is name is very clear. Someone cannot upload. We have a, you know, trademark for the name atmosphere 
And so other people can't use that name. So the likeness question is more, is their voice included in their likeness, right? Whereas a photo of them in their name clearly are today. I think that's the kind of question that we have to resolve. And I think it's likely to be kind of a mix of the platform and our enforcement of that. You know, I think we can't look to any one um, DSP to solve it because there, there is an incentive to allow a ton of user generated content, right? Like on, on YouTube, for example, our position to YouTube is, you know, based on your fingerprinting software, what music is ours. And so if a kid makes a skateboarding video and uses one of our artist songs in it, we can just tell YouTube what the policy is, which is upload and monetize against that. Um, some people choose to take down, some people choose to like, you know, do a copyright strike and stuff like that. So there's definitely something about the monetization of it. So that's where it becomes once people are making money off of your name and likeness, I think that's where that enforceability comes in. Let's step back from just the idea of like proprietary artists and their and their creation of artwork. Let's talk about an AI track that might be just strictly instrumental or might have a voice that isn't very clearly trained on an existing artist and the song takes off. You know, it's just there's something about it where it's a number one hit and it was created entirely synthetically. A couple of things there. Are you worried that that might become like a preponderance of music on the market at a certain point, considering how efficient it is to create a song like this and how increasingly efficient it is to create a realistic sounding uh, song. Realistic and as in, you know, the person might not even be a musician, but they, they certainly know how to fine tune AI to create a music track that fits the popular mood or fits the popular taste. You know, as you think about the value of having artists exclusive to you, um, is there a worry at all that, you know, a streaming platform might be mostly populated in, in, in the near future with synthetic tracks? Um, or is that just an equal part and opportunity for you, like you said earlier, to have your existing artists record once and create a thousand different versions of the same song without having to lift much of a finger? Like, what do you see on a platform in five years as it regards how this shakes out to your advantage or disadvantage? I think for us, it's more of an advantage for existing pop stars or you know high streamers there's i think a real threat to that right i think to our core business because of the sort of um you know years and years and years of engagement and connection etc but i think if you look at how tiktok operates specifically with music um everyone is very excited about the discovery of music there etc i think long term the threats for like platforms like that or more of this kind of synthetic music is people don't actually return to a streaming platform where we receive a, a large amount of our uh, funds from for an actual like listen against ad supported or sub subscription revenue. So I think there is a real threat there from for folks to just create hip-hop in this style, country in that style, these things that sort of satiate the base need that are either, you know, rights-free or they've created their own. I think there's there's a ton of incentive now for us and many others to just create almost as much as you possibly can because that's 
how you will likely succeed, right? Is by just creating more and more and more content. You're seeing that a lot with uh, sleep playlists or uh, bird song playlists or, you know, just sort of like um, meditation related stuff where it's just sort of a make as much as possible, create as many, you know, SEO related playlists and then just upload this stuff and they're making a good amount of money. So I think we discussed um, on another chat that we had about how I would love to see our artists take on other genres, take risks that they wouldn't normally take using these tools, frankly, and, you know, sort of interpolating their voice in different ways that are exciting and stuff. So I think there is definitely a threat there. I think the threat is um, more in the pop or sort of like uh, higher ranking songs. So how are you artists feeling about it? I don't know if you've approached any yet, but if you said, hey, you, do, you, you made this track, let's create five or six alternate versions of it and upload those as well. How's that conversation going to go if it hasn't happened already in your in your view? I of the ones I've had a conversation with in in our camp and outside, it's it was uh, it was a bit of an expected conversation. Some are you know just of the it's like asking a painter right like the paints oil right and canvas and large scale. Well, what do you think about what you know this company this AI created with some prompts right? There's you know where's the craft. Where is the soul? Where is the heart? Where is the, you know, um, connection to the humanity? And I think with the economic value of music has shifted greatly over the years, right? At one point, it was the cost of a piece of vinyl, and then it was the cost of a cassette or a CD, and now it's a stream, and you don't, many people don't even think about paying for it. But the emotional value of music has never changed, Um and it just it just maybe changes for you over time and can become more sentimental and nostalgic and stuff. But the actual value in that way hasn't changed. So a lot of the responses I got were, I'm never going to touch it. Um, this is a, a scourge. <laughs> you know, it's going to ruin the music making process. Um, Didn't they say but, that about CDs also when they went from vinyl and cassette tapes? <laughs> They said it about that. They said it about low low um, quality MP3s. They also said that about sampling, which is what hip hop is based on. So I think we're actually uniquely poised in that way to take the same hip hop ethos, which was sampling an old Turtles record or this or that, and using the new tools of the day, which like Roland created, or you know these these Moog synthesizers and evolving from you know, kind of techno sounds to these samples and, and all these things. This seems like the same thing to me. It's a new tool. It's, it's, it's almost in a, it's a much less limited tool. In fact, to how long you could sample the quality, how you could recreate things. So I think some of the artists are like, this is the, you know, this is going to destroy the human connection to this. And then I have other artists that say, Oh, I remember how I used to use my old sampler. Can I do this with it? Can I do that with it? And I think those are the folks that ultimately are going to succeed in just seeing this as a new, more powerful tool. Okay, let me do a little pushback. This is going to wind and, and twist quite a bit to get to the pushback, okay? So, you know, a lot of investors have been talking about one of the risks with generative AI companies is that they may have a lot of uh, kind of legal liability if the information they're providing is somehow massively incorrect, someone loses money, or maybe they said something wrong and defame someone, you know, 
that kind of thing, right? So the flip side of that would be that a generative AI company could actually put their hand out and want some of the royalties if your artist or you in helping the artist, you know, take lyrics, let's say, or music kind of without any modification off of their gen AI. Like, are you worried at all about someone else getting their hand in the till here? Because this, unlike cassettes, unlike synthesizers and all these other technological innovations, this is truly generating the creative output. I think there's definitely a chance that um, some groups want to do that. I think those will be the ones that will not succeed long term. If you look at like, um, if you look a lot at a lot, there have been a couple SaaS platforms that tried stuff like this. I've been pitched multiple um, through a tech incubator that I work with uh, that's really focused on music. A lot of the businesses pitched, "Hey, we'll we'll give you guys a majority of the revenue. We'll give you some of the revenue. We'll give you this." It's kind of a non-starter for most folks, and so I don't think there's going to be a lot of takers of that, and that might push people back into and let's call it the generative AI companies back to the SaaS model where it's fee for service, right? And pretty straightforward, like a um, creative suite monthly subscription. And that might be expensive, but I could definitely see um, some bigger partnerships with a massive, you know, one of the big three record labels um, catalogs where they will just create a partnership with some, generative AI company to just create unlimited songs based on that. And that would be a fee for service. I think there, there may be some I'm, we just won't participate in that way. I mean, I suppose you could also just create your own proprietary AI, right? Uh, you just feed into it what you want to feed into it and take the output without having to worry about someone else getting a piece of the action. Because that is a lot more likely scenario. And, and I think most labels and most artists and most management aren't great at developing tech or even a lot of them just operating a business period. Right. So <laughs> there's, there's a, there's a greater chance that we will have fee for service providers. Um, Cause half of the music stuff is if it can be connected to an existing artist marketing reach through social media or positioning or the algorithm that exists on these DSPs, that just equates to a higher level of success. And if there is some type of a share given to a generative AI, I think it'd be closer to like what a songwriter would receive. And, and I could definitely see that replacing um, songwriter and credit, but the only way that it would do it is it would just have to be infinitely cheaper. Right. I think that's where the interest would come from. And I'm kind of just speaking to maybe more the pop side of the music, right. Where, yeah, sure. If I can have unlimited songs, uh, unlimited lyrics, I'll give you guys 2% versus a 10%. They'd pay, you know, more established songwriter or something like that. So I think in any case, if there, even if there are revenues split with these platforms, it would be um, a fraction of what they're paying right now. So finally, Sky, wrapping up, I'd imagine like most, you know, innovations that bump up against existing you know, economic reward centers and royalty streams in this instance, there's going to be a a court case, right? There's going to be a lawsuit. There's going to be a precedent set at some point. 
when someone can, makes money off an AI-generated track, particularly if that track is, you know, mimicking an existing artist's voice. How do you see that playing out? And how soon do you think we are to getting to that precedent? Do you think there's a lot more um, experimenting to go with AI? Or do you think the test cases are in where it's only a matter of time, but before that hits the courts? I would imagine sooner than later, right? Like less than less than two years, we'd see something like this happen. And it's because the technology is developing so fast, it's improving so quickly, and there's just going to be a want for folks that are, you know, using this technology to show the world their their creations. So there's there's definitely a lot of paths here, right? There's maybe three broad stroke paths, right? So let's start with our artists using tools to enhance their creations, right? That's not going to take a litigious or difficult route. Um, that could then be third parties mimicking artists. And I think if they're getting into the name, likeness, and voice, that's where a lot of the you know uh, lawsuits would play out, and especially if they're finding ways to monetize that. And then the third way would be some sort of a blend there where you have um, – instead of the large language model, you have the large audio catalog. And there's just a uh, predetermined license rate between the catalog holder and rights slash rights holder and the AI tool so that, you know, any, um, you know, kind of a dad band <laughs> approach to this or a kid in his, in his bedroom can kind of tap in and they just know what the fee is. They know what that share is. And I think it's either going to take a lawsuit to get that um, clarity or um, a lot of the labels have just gotten so much more sophisticated in their deal making when it comes to technology that w there's a chance that we actually avoid a lot of the lawsuits, a lot of the challenges with the DSPs and kind of get just right straight to a licensing model. And we're seeing that right now with Reddit pulling out from, you know, their API access to, the chat GPTs until they want to pay them. So I think we're going to get there quicker than we um, than we have in the past with a big technological disruption. Um, but there's de there will definitely be some standouts with people just pushing boundaries on that likeness side. Well, Sky Rossi, Senior Vice President of Business Affairs for Rhyme Sayers Entertainment, I, for one, welcome our new AI overlords, and I welcome you back to Double Take in the event you uh, want to come back on. It's been great having you. Thank you so much for joining us. That'd be great. Thanks so much. This is a financial promotion for institutional clients only, issued by Newton Investment Management North America LLC, NIMNA, or the firm. NIMNA is a registered investment advisor with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, and subsidiary of the Bank of New York Mellon Corporation, BNY Mellon. The firm was established in 2021, comprised of equity and multi-asset teams from an affiliate, Mellon Investments Corporation. The firm is part of the group of affiliated companies that individually or collectively provide investment advisory services under the brand Newton or Invest Newton Investment Management. Newton currently includes NIMNA and Newton Investment Management Limited, NIM, and Newton Investment Management Japan Limited, NIMJ. Any statements of opinion constitute only current opinions of NIMNA, which are subject to change and which NIMNA does not undertake to update. 
This publication or any portion thereof may not be copied or distributed without prior written approval from the firm. Statements are correct as of the date of material only. This document may not be used for the purpose of an offer or solicitation in any jurisdiction or in any circumstances in which such offer or solicitation is unlawful or not authorized. The information in this publication is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific investment advice or recommendations for any purchase or sale of any specific security. Some information contained herein has been obtained from third-party sources that are believed to be reliable, but the information has not been independently verified by NIMNA. NIMNA makes no representations as to the accuracy or the completeness of such information. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee returns or eliminate risk in any market environment, and past performance is no indication of future performance. ESG analysis refers to a range of internal and external qualitative and quantitative research. Newton manages a variety of strategies. Whether and how ESG considerations are assessed or integrated into Newton's strategies depends on the asset classes and or the particular strategy involved, as well as the research and investment approach of each Newton firm. ESG may not be considered for each individual investment and, where ESG is considered, other attributes of an investment may outweigh ESG considerations when making investment decisions. Analysis of themes may vary depending on the type of security, investment rationale, and investment strategy. Newton will make investment decisions that are not based on themes and may conclude that other attributes of an investment outweigh the thematic structure the security has been assigned to. If distributed in the UK, EMEA, Australia, New Zealand, this podcast is issued by Newton Limited and may be deemed a financial promotion. Newton Limited is authorized and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority, FCA, 12 Endeavour Square, London, E20, 1JN, in the conduct of investment business. Registered in England, number 01371973. NIM is also registered as as investment advisors with the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, to offer investment advisory services in the United States. If distributed in Canada, this podcast is issued by either Newton Limited, which is availing itself of the International Advisor Exemption, IAE, in the following Canadian provinces, Alberta, British Columbia, Ontario, and Quebec. The IAE is in compliance with National Instrument 31-103, Registration Requirements, Exemptions, and Ongoing Registrant Obligations, or NIMNA, which is availing itself of the IAE in the following Canadian provinces, Alberta, British Columbia, and Manitoba. The IAE is in compliance with the National Instrument 31-103 registration requirements, exemptions, and ongoing registrant obligations.